honor, we give you praise and thank you. Thank you for the way that you call us out, the ways that you draw us out to yourself. You see, God, you love us so much that you're, you are unwilling, you are unwilling to leave us in those places that you find us. And so God, this morning as we, as we worship you through song and the offering of our life, God, we ask that you would receive all of the glory and honor and praise. And God, I pray that we would not, we would not simply be in this place as, as just a religious exercise, but that we would truly be changed because we have met with you. We honor you, God. We love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why? Why? We've all asked this question. Why is the sky blue? Why are my eyes blue? Why is grandma's hair blue? And why is Pastor Damien recycling last week's joke? And why does that make me blue? Why? It's an incredible question. And it's an incredibly useful question in working out why we believe what we believe. If you're just joining us this week, uh, we, we're in the second week of a, uh, a series uh, called Christianing, where we're taking a look at why we do some of the things that we do as we practice our faith in Jesus. And this is not just for the, the purpose of, of understanding it or having some type of intellectual concept of it, but it's for the purpose of remembering in order to fuel those things with purpose and passion as we practice them. So we ask these questions because there are moments when it's not good enough to get the standard answer that we've probably gotten when we've tried to ask why questions before the response of, because we're Christians, and that's just what Christians do, or don't do, depending on the circumstances that you find yourself in. And sometimes we need a reminder of the whys in order to push through those moments where the act of worship that is our lives needs to push through those boundaries where, where sometimes things have become business as usual and return them to a place of awe-inspired practice as we do these things. So this morning, we are asking a new why question. Why do we pray before meals? Why do we pray before meals? Call it grace, call it saying a blessing, call it giving thanks. Whatever you call it, somewhere along the lines, we observed it happening. And then we started participating in it. We know that prayer is powerful, and we know that prayer is an invaluable practice within the Christian life. But why do we pray for our food? And, and when should you pray 
for your food? Should you pray for it at the grocery store before you, you pick it up? If you're going out to eat, do you pray for it before it gets there? Uh, comedian John Christ asks questions like this. He says, if you're out at a restaurant, when do you pray? If someone gets a soup or an appetizer, do you pray or do you wait for the entrees to arrive? Does the prayer over the appetizers cover the entrees as, as well? What if you're at a place that brings bread or chips and salsa to the table? Do you pray over those before diving in or are they covered in the grace by pray, the prayer that you are about to pray? Yes. <laughs> or, or maybe you take, you take the approach like Julian Smith. That's not Julian Hold it Smith. right there. Do you still say grace before you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner? If you answered yes, then I've got a product that's gonna revolutionize the way you do food. Pre-blessed food. That's right, pre-blessed food. We pray for it so you don't have to. This is the 21st century, folks. We can sell anything. Around the clock, we've got thousands of employees buying brand name foods, praying over them, and then putting them back on the shelves of your local grocery store with our official sticker of approval. We've got breakfast cereal. Pre-blessed. Lunch meat. Pre-blessed. TV dinners. Double pre-blessed. And if you don't want a white guy praying over your food, we've got that too! Please, Lord, bless these eggs, Father. Bless the chicken that had these eggs, Father. Just listen to how pre-blessed food changed these people's lives. Since I switched to pre-blessed food, ain't nothing changed. We've always prayed religiously before eating, but we've been so busy with work and watching TV. Pre-blessed food hasn't only saved us time, it saved our souls. But that's not all. No, 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 that's not all. Inside every package of pre-blessed food are two tickets to heaven. Share them with your friends and family to make sure they go upstairs when they fall downstairs. So visit your local grocery store today and look for our official sticker of approval. And the next time someone asks you to bless the food, you say, it's unbin blessed. Double pre-blessed. <laughs> okay. So... <sighs> Maybe that's a little bit over the top. How many of you have actually thought about doing that? No? no? Okay, I guess I'm the only one. Uh, here's, here's a question that comes to mind as I, as I think about this. Even in the, even in the humor, even in the jokes, um, did Jesus really intend for things to get so complicated like this? I don't think so. And neither did the Apostle Paul. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Mark uh, preached a, a pas on the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at here this morning, found in 1 Corinthians as a part of our, our series, The Church That Never Was or The Church That Could Be. But we're going to be looking at a different aspect of the same passage. And if you didn't hear that message, you can go online to ecwesleyan.net and you can listen to last week's message or you can listen to uh, this one. Uh, the, the one that uh, Pastor Mark pre preached was called, Don't Eat That, You Don't Know Where It's Been. Uh, and you can figure out what that means. Uh, but we're going to dive in together to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. And we're just going to be reading a few verses here, and we're going to be unpacking this as we answer the question of why do we pray before we eat? And it says this, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and, he, and he had, when he had given thanks, 
He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is, this is the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Now, typically, we're, we're familiar with this passage when we share in communion together. It's a really, really good focusing piece of scripture when we come to the table together. And contextually, this passage uh, deals with the practices of the Corinthian church that were causing division among the, the believers. Some were eating meat that was used in pagan rituals with a clear conscience, celebrating their freedoms in Christ, while others saw this practice as repro reproachful and something Christians ought not participate in. They carried this into their celebration of communion as well. Some ate with reverence, while others treated it as a meal. And in the midst of this disciplinary letter, which the, the book of 1 Corinthians really is a lot of discipline, Paul goes back to the source. After all, if we are going to pattern our lives after any, anyone as followers of Jesus, wouldn't it make sense that we pattern our lives after Jesus himself? I think so. And this is where we begin to get the answer for our original question of why, why do we have this practice of praying for meals? Well, much like last week, I'm going to give you a few points on the matter. I, but I'm also going to encourage you to read Scripture because within there you're going to find more answers and you're going to find some more things and maybe some more questions that go along with this. And I would encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to charge you, to, to encourage you to ask questions of how to apply the answers to the why. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a few points found within this piece of Scripture, as well as a couple of questions to ask. If you, were, if you were here last week, you would have heard me make reference to Romans chapter 12 where, where Paul gives an admonition to offer ourselves, offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy or set apart and pleasing to God as a true and proper act of worship. Remember, God has set us apart for his purposes. So in everything that we do, whether eating or drinking, as Paul would say in, the, in one of the chapters prior, in 1 Corinthians 10.31, we should do it all for the glory of God. So, number one, what happens when we pray over a meal? What happens when we pray over a meal? Does, does it magically reduce the calories in the meal that you're about to consume? Does it, does it make broccoli taste better? Does it ward off foodborne illnesses? Probably not. But it does do a few other things. You see, when we give thanks, we letter A, we remember that we have received this from the Lord. We have received this from the Lord. 
Not only have we received the blessing of the food set before us, but we've also received this pattern of thanksgiving from Jesus. Even though Jesus, and this is interesting, even though Jesus in and of himself was self-sufficient, he chose in that moment with some of his closest friends to give thanks to the Father for the meal, to give thanks to the Father for the moment, to give thanks to the Father for the means to share this with the people that he was sharing it with. And through doing that, when Jesus prayed before the meal, and as we give thanks, we let her be, we pass along what has been given to us. We pass along what has been given to us. I love family-style meals. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like where you get a, a group of people together and everything is on the table and it's just kind of this melee of people passing dishes and, and stuff like that. Like it was, it was always one of my favorite moments. It's always been one of my favorite moments to go home for Thanksgiving. Because my mom, if you leave the table, if you leave the table hungry with my mom, it is your own fault. Because there's plenty on that table. But there's not just plenty on the table, there's plenty in the heart too that's shared over that. And there's something that's really beautiful about the expression of community that, that's expressed when we come together over a table. This, uh, this last winter and spring, I had a very, very rare privilege as a pastor. I got to be a part of a connect group that I was not leading. Uh, Bailey and I hosted Greg and Lynn Linbo's uh, connect group and, and I'm so, so grateful uh, to you guys for allowing me the, uh, the privilege of, of being able to be uh, a participant in, in that. It was, a, it was a great experience, but one of the things that just brought me joy every week when we shared in a time of fellowship together was, was listening to the conversations listening to people encouraging one another, listening to, to some of the challenges and the admonitions, the, the, the sharing of these are the burdens of our week. These are the joys of our week. And then being able to take those to prayer then together. You see, there was this moment of mutual encouragement and sharing through discipling relationships that happened as we shared food together. In John 17, uh, before their or following their meal, Jesus actually prays for his disciples, both present in that time period and those who would follow him in the future. He prayed for you and that many would receive the knowledge and salvation of, of, of what he was about to do, his work, in, because of what he's done in you. And so when we pause to pray, we remember that whatever we have received, we have received as a part of a heritage of thanksgiving that's meant to be passed along. I want to encourage you as families, share meals together. Sit down together. Because there's something that's so powerful in those moments. I don't think that it's a mistake 
that Jesus said, when, when two or three are gathered in my name, that there I am. He's talking in, in this context about unity. But when we're unified, I don't know that anybody comes to a table angry that there's food on the table. And so even if you can't agree on anything else, you can agree on that. Like pizza is delicious. Yes, I'm angry with you, but pizza is delicious. We're in unity. <laughs> so it may be a little bit more complicated than that sometimes, but, but start there. Start with what you can be thankful for and pass it along. And see, when we, when we pray, we let her see, we, we practice a, a spirit of thanksgiving living. And I know that when I talked about this before, some of you are like, man, now I want turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and you're killing me, Pastor Damien. Well, you're gonna have to wait until November for that to happen here, but it's gonna happen. But there's a spirit or an attitude of thanksgiving that when we stop and we remember as we pray that can change the tone of what happens next. We, we, live, we live very, very fortunate lives to live in the United States. I, I imagine a vast majority of you did not choose to be born here. Perhaps you did choose to, to move here or you chose to immigrate or come back to the United States. And maybe for some of you in your family, it, the, the immigration doesn't go far, that far back. For me, it's three generations. Maybe you've spent enough time elsewhere in the world that you've seen and have been made aware of the plenty that we have. And that's not to make you feel guilty by saying that. As we pause to pray, we express gratitude for God's provision in all things while we acknowledge our deep dependency on him. People, please, as you pause to pray, remember, remember that even if you have never gone a day with being hungry, that you are dependent on God. That we, in him, we live and we move and we have our being. And this is illustrative of that. When we take a moment to pause and pray, we're fighting back the desensitization that plenty can bring. And so I want to encourage you, as you pray, neither take it nor grant it, nor allow yourself to be desensitized by it. Uh, may, you, may you be able to see not only uh, the celebration that you get to have over that meal, but also the needs of, of the people that are around you, not only in your own backyard, but around the world as well. And in this spirit of gratitude, there's this beautiful picture in Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47. And we're gonna, we're gonna come back to this picture in a, in a couple of weeks here. But it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It's talking about the, the followers of Jesus. This is after Jesus is gone and the disciples are going, okay, what do we do now? It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Might I suggest to you, might I suggest to you that living a spirit of thanksgiving and sharing hospitality and community could transform your neighborhood? As you do so, remembering Jesus over the meal. Let's get to letter D. As we pause to pray, we letter D, remember Jesus. You see, in this moment, as Jesus gives thanks, he urges his disciples to remember what is about to happen. This happens on the front end of, of what would come next. Jesus was about to be arrested by an illegal mob. Jesus was about to be put on a trial that mocked even Roman justice. Jesus was about to be executed for telling the truth about who he is. Why would he do this? For you, for me, for then, for now, for everyone in all of time, Jesus walked down this road for us, taking on the punishment for our sins and the, sin, and the punishment that we deserve for our sins, a punishment, a price that we could never pay, and he paid it in full, he paid it once, and he paid it for all. And this pause, this moment when we stop to pray is an act of remembrance. Remembering Jesus. Remembering the depth of his great love for us. Remembering the gravity of our own sinfulness and helplessness to handle it on our own. Remembering his broken body and spilled blood for our benefit. Remembering that as you take this food into your body, food which will fuel you to live lives of gratitude for the sacrifice and to honor that. Remembering that Jesus defeated our greatest enemy. But that's not the end. You see, as we pause to pray, letter E, we anticipate the future. Remember, Paul writes that as we do these things that we proclaim the death of Jesus until his return, all of this praying before meals keeps our eyes fixed on the temporary nature of these moments and the urgency the urgency to make the most of them in light of everything that Jesus instructed in this moment. So in anticipation of the future, we remember that we received from Jesus his teachings, his example, and his Holy Spirit. And we pass along what Jesus taught us through sharing our faith and sharpening one another. We practice gratitude in any and every situation by grace provided to us by the Holy Spirit while all the while remembering Jesus and the mission of his kingdom both here on earth and in future incarnations. Okay, 
So all of that sounds kind of like a lofty thing over something so simple as praying for a meal. So do we really have to remember all of those things before we pray? Do we have to get out the checklist and go, okay, am I grateful? Okay, am I remembering Jesus? Okay, what did Jesus pass on? Am I passing that? Relax. Do this with me here. Ready? We're going to breathe in. Breathe out. Don't stress out. This isn't supposed to, to stress you out. This is supposed to help remind us why we do what we do, not put a heavy burden on you. Remember, we're examining these things as answers to the why question, not necessarily the how. This is meant to fuel our hearts as we practice these things and help maybe dust out some of those corners that familiarity has cluttered. Yet there's still the question of so what? Why does all this matter? Which is sort of a how question. So what do we do with this information? Well, here are number two, some questions for consideration. As you pray, letter A, what are you thankful for in that moment? What are you thankful for in that moment? Is it the provision of the meal or the company that you're spending it with? Perhaps you are thankful for the simplicity of a good night's sleep or coffee or both. These moments of thankfulness are to help us tune our hearts to God's. They impact our attitude and the posture of our hearts. And as you pray, letter B, what are you remembering when you do so? You see, we get caught up in the busyness of our day-to-day -day and what's next on our schedule that sometimes it's good to simply stop and remember. Remember who God is. Remember the work of Christ in your life. Remember the breath that he has placed within you and the image of himself that he has placed in the person that you are sharing the meal with or that is bringing your food to you. Remember the grace that you have received and the grace that you get to pass along. You get to share grace with other people. And when you begin to ask these two questions, I will tell you what it will do. It will refocus you on what is most important in that moment. So thank God for the food. Thank him for his provision and for his presence. Remember Jesus and yes, thank him for dirty dishes too. Don't get so caught up in the ritual that you forget why we pause to pray. And whether you call it grace or a blessing or thanks, say it with me now. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful that you have given us so many patterns of how to walk in this, this life that you've given to us. 
And so God, I, I, I pray that, uh, that as we have conversations like this, they don't add a heavy burden of, oh no, I have to remember to do these things, but God, that they fuel, that they fuel our passion and our understanding of you and your heart. Because God, you're good and you're beautiful and you're wonderful. And we're grateful for you and all that you have provided for us. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping into our world, for being the example that we needed to be able, not only the example, but also giving us the strength to live in a way that's honoring to you. God, I pray that in our moments where we do the thing that we do a couple of times a day, where we share a meal or we eat, that we pause and we remember you. And that we are filled with the good things of you and the reminders of you and the reminders of who we are in you as we do so. We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you join us as we sing and worship together here?